Hey, what's up, guys? This has been just flying solo for the start of this one. Um, you're going to hear later on uh, a chat with me and Nathan where he's kind of asking me some questions about uh, FPE and kind of why I transitioned away from it to, to work more so with him. Um, and I just wanted to talk and, and maybe cover some of the stuff that I didn't necessarily mention there ahead of time and, and just make sure that I'm not coming across as like bashing FP necessarily um, because it really was the jumping off point for me to like just start to really think about my body in a completely different way uh, in a way where I'm just thinking more multi-dimensionally where I'm challenging my ability to see motion in general um, with my ability to assess problems on clients and even understand like what variables that I should be looking at. Um, it was amazing for that. And for a good like four years or so from probably 2017, when I started looking at it to 2021, I guess I was pretty like full tilt on board, um, working with practitioners, um, doing the online courses and, and whatnot, went all the way to an HBS one. Um, and learned a lot of really cool stuff along the way. Just again, a lot of variables that I had not taken into consideration. Um, and yeah, I'm definitely like continually grateful for that. Um, that again is, I don't see myself as somebody who just is either doing this or doing this or doing this. I'm always just compounding more information to my own model um, and testing it and seeing what works. Um, and I got to a point with FP where I was having trouble progressing uh, other clients. I still had nagging injuries for myself. Um, and I just saw other people starting to have a different like model or approach or framework that I was interested in exploring. And ultimately the, the way FP kind of structures it is they want you to just really do FP. They want you to maybe learn from other systems, but like not really showcase that you are or talk about it. Um, and I just, I didn't feel, um, good about that fact. And I decided that, okay, well, I'd like to explore. I'd like to work with other people and not have it be, uh, so a stressor on my system to worry about like, oh, am I going to get caught and, and whatnot. And working with other people just gave me more variables to look at. It didn't take away completely from the FP model, it just added to it. When I was training other FP practitioners, utilizing kind of these new things I was learning and whatnot, it made sense to them. They were utilizing it. And I even had um, a couple trainers say that when they went to a further HBS course down the road after working with me, that they were being taught kind of similar stuff that I was teaching them, even though I had not learned it from an FP person, which is to say that I think this is all kind of headed in the same direction, um, which is why I it sucks that we have to be as competitive as capitalism demands that we be. I understand it. I don't fault anybody for it, um, but I'm thinking that we're all going to kind of head to the same place, which is going to be looking at the variables, looking at it with a, a bunch of potential solutions and continuing to test them out. I think there's way more people to help than there are us to compete with. Um, so I don't necessarily subscribe to the idea that um, we're all striving for the same small piece of the market. Um, the market's huge and we're just kind of picking away at it and helping more and more people along the path, which is awesome. 
it's why this whole notion of uh, if you have to use my system to make your system work, then your system doesn't work. That it just doesn't make sense. If if anybody's like a lot of the FP people that we won't name are taking the movement courses or getting some training with us, by definition, as stated by Nadi himself, um, if they're using our stuff at all to make their system work, then their system doesn't work. So nobody's system works, but still all these people are probably feeling better because people are putting the pieces together. Um, so that's just a, a silly argument. And I understand why he doesn't understood why he feels that way. Um, but I think he's understandably a little detached from the reality of uh, the common trainer who's taking a look at all this information, trying to make it all make sense to them and, and testing things out on their clients. Um, I think it doesn't make sense to limit yourself to one system. And that's, again, why I ended up stepping away. And that's not to say that I might not have come to the same realizations um, solely working with FP eventually. Um, I can also say um, that I never worked with a practitioner super long term. I tended to do a session and then I would just like kind of set up with the information they gave me and like test and kind of like play with it for a while. Then I would come back for another session. I was never like week to week for a long term working with any one person. I did work with kind of, I think, four or five different like um, high level practitioners on top of getting the courses. Um, and again, lots of lots of stuff that has its context and its use. Um, there's a lot of things that I was taught that I wish I hadn't been, or at least exercises and drills where the focus and intention, now that I kind of look back at it with an, a different perspective, um, I think probably did me more harm than good. Um, and again, I don't, I can't say that for sure, but that's just my current understanding of how my structure was and is and what the those drills were designed to do and uh, i don't think that some of that stuff was adding healthy tension to my system i think it was maybe even exacerbating where i tended to already have tension i'm not the type to pigeonhole a system into a particular cue or concept or even way of doing things um, they might have a particular thing that they promote that maybe I would disagree with and, and uh, state why and provide some discourse around. Um, that doesn't mean the system's inherently bad. It doesn't mean that the people who use it are inherently dumb. Um, it just means that, that particular concept, I have a different point of view on. And I understand that systems evolve. I wouldn't be surprised if some of the gripes that I have about any system uh, change as we go forward, potentially because of some of the discourse around it and some of the pitfalls uh, long-term that can be had with some of the intentions around it. And ultimately what we're trying to do with movement is just bring up variables that we're not seeing addressed by others. Um, points of reference in the body, understanding of certain nervous relationships and how the same movement can be done in a lot of different ways. And maybe you're exacerbating a sympathetic pattern as opposed to bringing the body into more of that nervous system balance. Uh, it's just a bunch of variables that Nathan kind of showed me that very much changed the way that I was thinking about the problems that myself and my clients had. Uh, and whenever that's the case, I tend to gravitate towards the person who's giving me the most kind of things to think about. Um, and anybody who's worked with Nathan will tell you that the 
amount of information and how it can be relevant to your situation um, is it's dense. It's a lot to take in and we're working on how we're processing that. And that, and that was the same for me going through FP, right? Um, it's just my FP experience kind of plateaued. I would have to sacrifice my intellectual honesty to say that everything I was doing was just FP. You, I could say that and not as a brand, I'm trying to instill more functional patterns in myself and all my clients um, I'm just doing it in a different way from a different system, uh, from different mentors and trying to make it make sense in my own body and have a system, a framework that applies as globally as possible. Um, and again, that's as you'll hear in this conversation, I had tough clients um, with different neurological issues that the FP style of mechanical adjustments was not quite going deep enough. And again, I could be just not privy to what the new FP stuff is now that might help do the job or whatever, but I was able to find more solutions again elsewhere. So that's kind of my piece. Uh, I don't think there's anything else I need to say besides what I'll say in the conversation you're about to hear. Um, again, very thankful, very grateful to what FP is even what it represents as a whole, um, I think we need more accountability to ourselves. I think we need more um, just critical thinking in general. And FP is definitely helping push that narrative and those ideals. Um, I think the inventions that are going to come out are probably going to be killer. Like I'm excited to utilize the stuff that they're thinking of. Likely it's going to be impactful. I have some semblance of what a couple of them are just from what I've heard at an HBS course. Um and I think it might just be a net positive to humanity, which again, I think FP is. Um, I just think that together, all the kind of systems combined, uh, we're able to be even a bigger net positive. And I'm interested in growing the global kind of fitness educational sphere, not just this one company. Um, of course, I have a vested interest in the success of myself, the success of MoveMed, um, but I think that we can grow as others grow, and hopefully we can all have the abundance that FP talks about, um, kind of achieving, not just physically, but financially, mentally, and so on and so forth. And again, no shade to those who are very much still invested in FP and want to represent that. That's cool. I totally get it. Um, I know some of you, again, are taking in information from other sources, and I think that is probably a smart thing to do. Um, you can't really go wrong with just again, understanding what variables potentially are there and testing if they are relevant enough to make a priority of your focus or not. Um, you want to make sure you're not only consuming information, you want to test it. And if you are in FP, you should understand that um, and you should know what you're trying to achieve, um, which is the same thing we should all be trying to achieve, which is uh, clients' goals, clients' general function, uh, clients' general mental balance, clients' general energy levels, um, and just increase in overall health and vitality. And while every client comes with a lot of potential and possibilities that need to be unlocked, um, understanding what the big picture lock is that you need to figure out a way into um, is what might give you the fastest results the um, best client retention and the best buy-in. So again, having just more understanding of the variables, the potential possibilities of what this person might need, whether that's 
upregulating their athleticism, whether it's downregulating their nervous system and their capacity to rest and just hang out without having to move a lot. Um, that can be completely different for different people and just having different approaches, not just the same kind of cookie cutter, do this stage, this stage, this stage every time. Um, I think it's important. It's something that I'm starting to get better at um, as we go. And I'm looking forward to kind of sharing that with more people. If you're in FP right now and you want to understand more of the potential pitfalls of some of the things that you might be doing now, if it is causing you issues, if you find that there is a um, plateau or something missing in your mind, then I might have some ideas of what that could be um, and getting a session in with me or even just messaging me and like asking a little bit more of a detailed question based off of your circumstances. Um, I'd be more than happy to help. So just let me know, you know where to find me. So you manage a business, you've been a trainer, you've exposed yourself to one of the biggest um, groups or environments of training that is FP. Uh, what is it that attracts you to working uh, with MoveMed content uh, or rather applying it with your clients and yourself um, as opposed to staying in the mix? Well, it seemed to offer a lot of solutions to problems that I was dealing with with my tougher clients. Um, and these were clients that I'd been working with for a couple of years and had kind of taken them through the ringer of like the FP based stuff. Um, and, and even really, I couldn't, I could never get them to the point where they could do the FP stuff like the dynamics, uh, like even the more intense corrective exercises. I just like couldn't get them good enough at what the FP basics were um, to um, be able to progress them very well at all. And your stuff gave me like a bunch of basics that were kind of underneath what the FP basics were um, in terms of the, the focus on sensation, uh, the ability to just create a sense of connection here, which is just something that wasn't really addressed at all in FP. I think the I think the thought process with FP was that if you could get your gut, your hips, your ribs to be strong enough, your neck's just gonna kind of connect as a byproduct of that. Um, and based off of the experience I had working with you for myself, I noticed a big difference in creating connection here and how bad I was at it. Um, and then when I went to do that with these tougher clients I had, it was something that they could tangibly work on, that they could improve on. Um, and it opened up doors where I was kind of getting stuck before. Um, and then, then along with that too, it's just, it was just how it felt in my body was that it was the thing that opened or like busted the ceiling of what I was doing, and especially in terms of force production, because so much of FP is a, surrounded around getting the right sequence, the right level of elasticity, um, getting the perfect whip out of your structure. Um, but it didn't really communicate what that would feel like and how, how stable really the body should be when it's producing that kind of whip. If you want, again, so for myself, I want to be able to dunk or I want to be able to touch, touch the rim at least um, pretty easily. Um, it didn't matter how forcefully I tried to pull myself down to the ground to get the whip back up. I just wasn't getting any higher. Um, when I started doing your stuff and started kind of living in the, the heaviness of the intentions behind the breathing, um, 
behind just like the connection from head to tail, essentially um, the connections to the floor. Um, my just straight up push off power without having to like really quickly whip my body around got way better. And I was able to increase my vertical jump without needing to do a whole lot of extra stuff. It just kind of happened by nature of me playing basketball and working through some of the exercises that we, that I, that we did together. So that was just like, okay, clearly there's, there's a lot to this that was being missed out on actually by nature of all this extra movement that was happening in the FP exercises or just even from the other like systems that I did. Um, and again, that speaks to the barrier of uh, to do FP well, you, uh, you need to be able to perform all these movements and yeah, you can regress them to a real basic thing, but your stuff you can do just sat still. And in that, um, in that stillness is where you can actually get deeper into the system. Yeah, I mean, the thing that came up for me with your describing the difficulty with essentially overload with FP and, and being coherent or at least more coherent with movement, uh, inputs versus outputs. So like uh, delegating to your body before your body's told you where it's at in space. If you're giving your body a, a million different tasks and you're trying to follow all those tasks without understanding what difficulties your body is coming into or why it is that you're uh, having to manage around such specific order to be able to get the results you want. And that's, uh, you're sending so much stuff down the output lane and you're almost ignoring all the stuff coming up the input lane, but the input lane is what gives you the wherewithal or the foundation to be able to be like, I'm going to respond to this as opposed to saying outright, this is how I react. And so there's going to be more reflexive nature to you working from less active thinking processes, more active feeling processes, only because you're listening to the inputs and you're starting to create the language that gives you the, the credibility behind your decision. Yeah. And it understanding those inputs or just having better access to them makes it so that when you do go to output, you can feel your output as well or you you feel a difference and when like again in, in the stuff that we do we're trying to help people understand their patterns and their habits um especially when it comes around like operating the limb from the distal end or like really focusing on what's happening here versus what's happening more proximally in the midline structures and how you're either like shifting your midline around a ton or how you're maybe under under moving or under supporting it um, that stuff just also was huge and completely changed how I oriented all of my movement. Um, especially because again, some of the FP stuff and some of the WEX stuff as well that I had like played around with, you're so focused on the pattern of the hand or even the pattern of the foot that, um, you just kind of lose out on your main engine of force generation. Yeah. I mean, in the aspect of trying to make something that is uh, passively conscious be led by something that is uh, actively conscious, or sorry, vice versa, having something actively conscious be led by something that's passively conscious is going to make things very difficult. Uh, that is to say, if, if you're having a, your body be led by the contact of your foot into the ground or your hands passing through the air, you're going to be giving yourself confusion as to where and how 
your body moves through space as opposed to where and how your feet and hands move through the space. So if we think in terms of like uh, the levers move against each other to be able to move our midsection through space. <clears throat> and most people worry about moving the midsection through space uh, at the guide of uh, very interactive or very dependent or conscious dependent feet and hands. Like the one thing I've noticed, most people are reaching for each step. They're trying to tailor the next contact to the ground. And in the same way, FP, it confuses me, it genuinely confuses me because I don't have the patience to like watch uh, the nine different steps to get this rotation around uh, because I think to myself, um, if you're doing all this stuff, uh, three out of those six steps were without weight into the ground or without force into the ground. And so that force backlogged into the body as opposed to being able to generate into the ground. And I played sports that require like a lot of physical weight behind the motion. And I think to myself, I physically could not be good at this, this sport that I grew up with, uh, whether it be judo or golf or jujitsu uh, or lifting um, with these principles because they take so much away from my passive focus. I think a lot of people who have, who have worked out in their life uh, understand the feeling of like going into the gym and just like going full idiot mode. And that's like when the wash of intelligence kind of like feeds off of you, you get really hot, you get kind of happy and like endorphiny and you're just going around and like grunting into objects. And it feels great because there's like this subsidiation or like there's like a drop of uh, all this conscious attention. You got to just be like, uh, like effervescent, you get to just fill the space. Uh, but when you take all that energy that you would otherwise have left to like irradiating and being like, I'm comfortable in my space. This is where I am. This is like what, I, this is how I, because it's essentially what working out is like, you're building uh, an environment of like, mm, I'm strong. I feel secure. I feel good. Uh, but then when you start to pay attention and say it's 10 different cues, right? There's 10 different cues and like one specific rotational twist. That means if you've gone three steps in and you make a mistake, you may think that the next six steps or next seven steps are compromised because you no longer have that tension that you could take with you. Or alternatively, if you're working just with your weight, your grounding, your ability to generate force in the ground, there is no misstep so long as you're still able to push force into the ground. And that's like, I guess inherently they're teaching you how to brace in a proactive, very cognizant way, as opposed to letting you reflexively brace and get used to being weak until you're strong. Like you can't perfect your way through emotion until you have the strength and variability to do it. Um, I guess, uh, without me asking you a question regarding that, something I've noticed that's changed with you is you've gotten a lot thicker, you've gotten a lot more broad, like casually big in the way that you sit. Uh, what is the biggest defining change that you've experienced? Man, well, when I was starting with you, I had kind of been introduced to the idea of grounding um, and had you know and that wasn't from fp that was from um something else and just that like 
taking that into account while I did say like a side to side lateral lunge or just any kind of locomotive drill, um, it fried my legs completely. And I was like, how all this like chambering, all this horizontal focus on force production and trying to feel like I'm, I'm pushing the ground, but I'm always pushing it like sideways to move me as far the other way as possible. Right. Like all of that just completely missed the vertical force vector. And now I got to bring that back. But um, when I was working with you, I think when the, the first session uh, I was, I went to sit down and I just sat completely on my feet. Like there was no weight on my hips at all. And you're like, Oh, what the fuck? <laughs> you had me like sit on a foam roller or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Like what's going was, on? Are you okay? Do you have something <laughs> that you need to talk to? This is how I'm supposed to sit, right? <laughs> um, so you, you were able to, to take that grounding concept and make it through my torso or like in, I started to inhabit that in my torso where I wasn't really doing that before. Um, and that was, I think that was really what started the, I guess the thickening of my, my entire like rib cage and hips and, they still got a, a ways to go, but um, yeah, I think that was probably the biggest thing. And that obviously um, came into or applied to almost every movement I was doing um, and still does. And I still am finding kind of new ways and new, new positions where I'm not so good at that, where I'll be able to kind of like intentionally challenge that a little bit more and find more range of motion further down the chain, just because I've, I've got more of my like visceral weight coming down into my hips whereas before again especially with the fp stuff right there's a there's a big focus on a decompressed spine and that's yeah. like let's go to stuff that's a lot of different stuff and if you're thinking about lengthening your vertebrae all away from each other as much as possible all the time then you're gonna end up missing out on the compressive resting state that your body's supposed to have right um that's interesting that <clears throat> so many people focus on trying to like the aspect of how it looks is not the same as how it feels. Right. And standing up straight does not feel the same as like trying to separate all the vertebrae, yeah. though, to a degree, they might look similar. Uh, but one looks forced, one looks not forced. Uh, I'm going to say this respective of movement. I'm going to say this respective of my process. In order for us to achieve extension, we have to be really comfortable with flexion or rather compression. And that is like the agonism of being made smaller. So bracing would be like retaining your volume as opposed to trying to get bigger or trying to like uh, reduce the thing coming at you. Sometimes bracing is just making sure you have enough left in your tank after contact, after whatever that you can still deliver force to the ground uh, and not be overly affected by whatever impeded you. Um, I think that compression is the way to get there. And it's not the compression that people think about as far as like limitation to the joint, but rather co-contraction around the uh, opposite end, so to speak, and being able to dilute the amount of, I suppose, negative space around the spine, for example, by getting the spine to be so well compressed that all the muscles that are made to be smaller as a byproduct of the spine shrinking are inhibiting any further compression. And if we can learn to adjust to that framework, my thinking, as far as my experience, my application to clients, is that the body starts to inundate this uh, response to force it starts to take hold of some of the force that you've been giving to it. 
and bracing against the load. And as soon as that happens, we get to start reaching or creating extension without having to create that separation. Rather, it's going to be a byproduct of saturating enough blood into the tissues that start to grow around the spine. And then eventually under the load of visceral hold or squeeze, we start to grow. We start to, it's almost the exact opposite. If you think of the fundamental of having like all the micro movements you have in FP versus all the micro movements you have in movement, uh, it's almost like we reduce the want to get all those movements. And we, instead of generating all that force into midline or frontline or into the fore of our awareness, we deliver it downward. Yeah. And, and it's always a challenge for people who have done FP to do that at first. They, they just try really hard with where Super they hard. orient their motion from and almost every FP person I've taken through some of it, I've had to be like, okay, hey, the amount of effort you're putting into this right now, you need to take it down like 75% yeah. at least. You need to cool your jets. There's a lot of stress <laughs> going on in the air. Well, they're, we just don't so, here. they're just so used to like thinking that they got to pry themselves apart um, yeah. versus like being able to compress themselves together in the way that creates the rebound that fills in the spaces they've been trying to open up. So, you know, when you have like, okay, Dropbox would be a good example, how we have to wait way too long for most of these Dropbox videos to get downloaded. Like okay. it's seriously a hassle how long these Dropbox okay. videos take to upload. So if you think in terms of FP as having a cue and each time that you're doing a, a set exercise, you're, you're getting farther and farther and farther away from the end result, uh, the more... Uh, additional steps you add to the process or the more instructions you add to the process. And because there's so many instructions or like uh, uploads being sent in there, there's not a whole lot of information being attended to just because there's only so much focus in the brain of the downloads and the downloads are the inputs. The downloads are all like, if you're twisting here and you're making this, like if you're tensioning your TVA and then you feel like the, the shoulder blade tensioning and put, I don't even know, dude but you feel like you're doing some motion across your body, there's going to be a response in the body via sensation. And you're going to be like, I feel this. It's what you're tending to, to essentially coordinate that motion. But the difficulty is it is a biased attention to sensation. So it means to say you're listening to it, but you're listening for a answer. You're not listening to the answer. And because they continuously listen for an answer, like you watch someone doing FP and you'll see them correcting, correcting, correcting something that doesn't look like you can expect where it's going to go. Unless you know what it's going to do, I cannot predict an FP motion. I can't because they're fundamentally not naturally abrasive, meaning it doesn't show the way like a leopard would like hit ground. It doesn't show that rippling effect. It's the, almost the counter of that where it's like I see 15 micro movements and I'm seeing uh, in the same respect, 15 thoughts present on your body. And all those are coming into you doing one non-natural exercise that plays into what function. I can understand it's loading a bunch of stuff. There's probably a tremendous amount of benefit in recruiting stuff in an odd way for sure. But what is a natural application for that? And because the brain is having to work through a prediction mechanism that doesn't make sense as far as you take this information, you download it to any setting and you're like, I've never and will never do this motion in the way that they're suggesting I do it. 
Never, ever, ever. That means the brain is having to put a whole plethora of new language or new order around the motion or the mechanic. It's having to be like, this is what this is. This is why I do it. This is why it's important. And I think that's why there's so much like fervent cult behavior in those environments like GoTo or FP is because they get the brain to start speaking a language it was never meant to speak. And that's not to say it's unhealthy for you, but it is to say that it is a distraction from a coherent or cohesive neurological order. Like if your eyes are meant to speak to your system, but every single time before you even create a fundamental attention to the environment, you create tensions. Like before you even take in the information, you're like, my body needs to set like this. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've gotten rid of so many tensions that I was just like hanging out with for no reason. And my body's not falling apart. Meaning to say, I don't have to hold my chest up. I don't have to scoop my butt back to show you the curve of my tailbone. I don't have to flex my abs to show you that I'm like rounded around my core. I don't have to do any of these things. And my body hasn't fallen apart. It's still fully tethered together. And you see that people walking around in those environments look like they're like holding their shit up. What would you notice is the best feeling experience or transition that you had? Like if we're at the end of the day trying to become happier or healthier in our body, how have you done that? How are you doing that? How are you prepared for it? Yeah, well, there's uh, a lot, again, to be said to how you rest. Like, I think being able to rest comfortably is the baseline thing that everybody needs to be able to do. Um, And granted, you might need to do more than just sit in a chair and practice how you sit to to get there. You might need to um, be able to access a certain level of force output or or, um, create enough of a neurological stimulus to allow your body to relax, um, depending on what's going on. Um, so I think that for me is, has been the biggest thing, um, especially cause I, w- I would always like get pain and discomfort in my hip when I was sitting for as long as we've been sitting here already, it would always be like something was kind of hiking up. And again, the grounding of that was just like, wow, I can, I really very rarely feel this unless I'm sitting for an awfully long time or I'm in a more high stress situation that maybe it'll start to creep in, but I'm able to usually quell it. Um, so just the quality of rest, that's huge. Um, the decrease of thinking, the decrease of, um, expecting a perfect, uh, line of tension to be felt with every step that I take, um, yeah. less expectation on yourself. Um, you get to, you get to take in the environment more when you're worrying about how you are outputting, um, less. So Do you understand what I mean by reflexes when I say that? Like, obviously, you know what reflexes are, but do you understand like having that natural order be like fixed into you where you can, you give, it feels like time slows down respective when you make contact to the ground, you don't have to think about what part of your foot made contact, you just know that you have the ability to adjust while you're there. Yeah, I'm feeling that huge right now as I'm getting my Achilles to like come back to life. Because right now I'm starting to like when I'm going down a hill, I'm starting to semi run. I'm starting mm-hmm. to allow myself to take on those like forces. And at that point, I just have to trust that it's going to happen and allow those reflexes to do it. Right. And it feels great. Like for me to like go awesome. kind of fast down a hill or even up a hill at this point, it's like, man, so good after that's been missing for a bit. Um, 
Good, because that could be super threatening, just jumping back on the, the bike. Oh, yeah, and, and, it, and it was, and, like, it's been almost six months, and it's in the last couple weeks is when I've really started to push that because I felt confident enough and uh, allowed the tendon, tendon in the joints to do what they needed to do while still, again, like, stimulate stimulating them in ways that um, they are going to be triggering the reflexes. And that's that's another big thing is, like, when I'm thinking about programming for somebody – how if I'm thinking about how they want to be hiking more I'm like okay I need to get them to expose themselves like kind of a graded exposure to just more force whether that's some kind of like plyometric whether that's just like stomping if somebody's really worried about putting force to their knee I'm going to get them to try to stomp around um, just because they're they're going to be put again getting more input through that and uh, stimulating whatever reflexes are necessary for them to manage that. Right. Yeah, it's the biggest thing, allowing for just the same way as a kid falls down. You let the force manage the body. You don't manage the body through the force. You let the impact go through you, so to speak. Yeah, and, and having approaching your training with that mindset um, can make it a lot more fun, and all of a sudden you're not – you're not so worried about going under the bench press bar or like handling stuff because you're worried about all these uh, compensation patterns that might get formed. Um, you, you understand that your body is like a, an accumulation of the forces that are put onto it and you'll start to kind of audit what forces am I not like working on or accepting um, and worrying more so about that than again, how you are setting up your body before any old force the thing that came to mind for me when you said that i gotta finish up after this by the way sorry i have a, a client with a uh, an 11 no worries. Um, the interesting thing from that is people misperceive the sensory data as being force so because there's stimulus running through their body or their brain is perceiving something happening they will inter internalize that the amount of information is the same as receiving a ton of force. And so the body will get confused because the brain's dealing with so much energetic supply to the focusing, the thinking it's almost the same as what input would feel like stress wise to the body. And so it's like that hyper stimulating effect. And if people live in that, uh, as like a byproduct of stress disorder or discongruity, like neurological disorder, then that body can start to perceive that their thoughts are as grand as their sensation. And I think that's when mental disorder comes into play because someone's starting to order thought over experience. And so they know what is before they've experienced the world around them. And that's, that's how we desensitize. Like generally, I think that the biggest deficit to all these training programs is they're taking away the feeling process of the brain body connection and depending on a thinking process, thereby reducing emotional output or load and reducing a reflexive emotional environment. So everything has to go through the administrative thinking brain before it can go through the feeling body. And so people can't cry without there being, why am I crying? People can't laugh without being like, is this funny? And then there's this whole disorder of response, reflexive, energetic response, emotions, thinking, being, feeling, that kind of stuff.